gardening program here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning. Pori, good morning. Dear, dear, good morning. Good morning, listeners. You're very welcome to Studio Busy program on the cards today. Absolutely, as isn't we, it always this time of year? Yeah, mentioned we're going to talk about Bloom further into the program. Yeah. It's coming up at the uh, June Bank holiday, which is only around the corner. Five days of, of Bloom. So yeah, we're going to be joined by Gary Graham, who's the Bloom show manager. It's hard to believe that Bloom has been going since 2007. I was, I was at the very first one. Were you? I was, yeah. I wow. Was, yeah. There you go. So, There's a claim to fame. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so 12 uh, years ago. 12 years ago, yeah. Well, it, it was... It was it's <clears throat> I beg your pardon, it started off as a great event then and of course it has grown since. Ah, yeah, and with Bo Bia behind it, it, you know, it, it's so successful and, and 70 acres of the Phoenix Park are going to be given over to, to Bloom this year. And it's not just a festival of, of gardening, it's also a festival of food and children and in the last number of years they've brought in some great entertainment. I mean, it's a great day out, even if people have, haven't an interest in gardening. No, uh, but even, but from the, yeah, from the food perspective alone as well. It's wonderful and all the, all the demonstrations and all the cooks and uh, but all the music as well. There's a great kind of uh, family vibe to it, uh, particularly when we get we get the good weather. So, the Bloom Festival. So yeah, yeah, Gary Graham is going to join us after uh, round half nine this morning and great. just give us an update. Um, they're still in the throes of the construction of Bloom at the moment, and the pressure is on now. So it's a real pressure point at the moment. Can you imagine organising all of that at this time of year with only kind of ten days or whatever it is, less than two weeks, two weeks to go actually, two weeks to go uh, to Bloom. So we'll be talking to Gary. He'll be bring, giving us an update. Um, just a, a couple of things, Deirdre. I was um, t- later on today. I'll be in the Sligo Garden Centre doing our hanging basket and demo. Excellent uh, demo. So you, uh, had, you were in Galway last week. I was in Galway last week mm-hmm. and Turlock the week before, and we had a fantastic crowd in in Galway actually. Um, and as I said last week, if listeners want to bring in some of their containers, their window boxes or their hanging baskets, I'll pick a couple out of the audience and plant them up for them free of charge. And uh, needless to say, I think everybody brought a window box. <laughs> or a hanging basket did last you, weekend. Is this putting you on the spot now, but did you have any interesting uh, receptacles? Um, nothing too no, unusual okay, last weekend okay, now, but, right. a, but a good mixture between kind of patio planters, window boxes, yeah. hanging baskets. Um, and, and it's great just to see what people are, you know, the various types of containers. And I always ask the audience, like, what, what recipe they'd like or the particular colours they like. And, and we get some interesting uh, comments back. But also we're, we're using some edible plants like strawberries and uh, some salad crops in with some of the plant containers as well just for a bit of fun also to get the kind of children involved and of course I pass on some of the hints and tips on keeping your baskets and containers um, looking really well so people around the Sligo area today I'll be there at two o'clock we'll have a talk at two three and four and it's really just to invite listeners to bring their hanging baskets, window boxes. I won't get through them all, but I will pick a number from the audience and plant them up. I generally do about 10 or 12 containers and uh, people can take that, that away. And it is a free event, so I just drop in any time between 2 and uh, half 4, kind of 5 o'clock. Mm. I'll still be there and we'll, we'll do up some containers. So that's in our store in Sligo uh, on the Bundorden Road there in, in, in Sligo. And I'll be there from 2 o'clock today. Last week, I chatted to you about the robotic mowers. Yeah, no, I've had lots of discussions with people. Well, not lots, but some discussions with people uh, this week in relation to that. Because uh, for me, I am fully intrigued to see how effective they are. So you tell me uh, <laughs> <laughs> your story first. Well, right through the week, yeah. I've been putting up a couple of posts. So if people want to go onto my Facebook page, you'll see some video footage that I've taken early mornings. 
um, or, or during the day with the with the robotic mower working in the garden. And I have to say, you now it's only it's only kind of ten days, or maybe I think it's twelve days, maybe now that it's actually oper- operating. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly I'm very very impressed with it. Um, and you'll see pictures of the actual lawn. You'll see the robotic mower actually moving around. Um, one of the times I came back from a cycle early morning, and here was the mower to to greet me going along trimming the lawn so it's it's very effective it does what it says in the tin I suppose it's um, it works every evening I've switched it now to work every second night so right. it comes on at night time it's very very quiet um, as I expected the lawn is actually thickening up really well and you'll see that from the pictures it's actually coming really dense and that's just down to the regular mowing so I suppose over the 13 days the lawn has probably been trimmed by the mower oh, seven, eight, maybe nine times at this stage so you can imagine with that regular mm. trimming, it's really thickening it up. And even the weeds are having a tough time. I haven't sprayed the lawn at all this year. And the weeds are, none they're, of them are they're flowering. Not, they're not getting a hold at all. <laughs> they're not getting a chance to grow at all. So it's very interesting how it's thickening up. Um, and you don't visibly see the, the cut grass on the surface of the lawn. So it's only cutting maybe a millimetre of grass each time it, it does a sweep and that drops back onto the soil and, and decomposes and feeds the lawn. Um, so overall... First start for the for the last ten days, I'm I'm super impressed with it. They work extremely well, um, and and the best thing is probably to go onto the Facebook page and just see it because you'll mm. actually see it in operation. Mm. I said last week it's it's actually very easy to install. It took me probably an hour to put the unit. You have to put a cable or a small cable around the edge of the lawn. That's now and, and one of the video f- uh, pictures I took this morning will show you that the cable is actually beginning to be hid. By the, grass. by the grass. The grass is actually starting to grow over the cable. So within another week that should have disappeared. So you won't see the you cable won't see at it. all. And that it's really, green anyway. And that really is marking out the boundary of, 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 of where, where the, the mower is going exactly. to go. Exactly. It just it? goes literally so around. You put it on the perimeter of the put it on the perimeter of the, of the area and the, the mower maps the lawn inside that and works within that. So working really well. Um, so I'm actually, this Monday, I'm going up to record a piece with uh, Gardenia in Dublin. And uh, they were telling me in one of the castles in Dublin they have 10 of these moors mowing the, the lawns around the castle. Right. So I'm going to go and have a, have a look at that and get some audio and um, just meet some of the Gardenia people. But, but look at overall, it's certainly very positive. Um, no problems whatsoever. The moor has behaved impeccably right. and the lawn is certainly responding to it very well. So um, I'm not giving it back just yet. Excellent, <laughs> yeah. So look at thinking of the good weather, Thinking of lawns in particular, um, certainly it's it's the time again to maybe consider if people haven't fed their lawns to give them a feed. Now this, the moisture level is still quite high. There's a good heavy dew at night time, so any fertiliser you put on now will will green up lawns. And at this stage, I guess most people have treated them for the moss. Uh, but if you haven't, you can still put on the zero treatment and just you know. Uh, control any moss problems sure. you may have the weeds are just beginning to finish flowering now the dandelions and so on so if you need to treat them again this dry weekend certainly today is a great day for the control of weeds in general so whether it be out of the garden hoe they'll die within a, a couple of hours or if you need to do any treatment in terms of spraying then the weather conditions are ideal today the dry weather speaking of spraying things like roses lupins fruit trees um, they're going to be susceptible to aphids, green fly, caterpillars. So prevention is always better than trying to cure the problem. So my advice really is if you've got lupins in your garden, you're going to get aphids on them. So treat them now beforehand. Okay. Um, if you've got fruit in the garden like blackcurrants, gooseberries, 
the caterpillar, the gooseberry saw caterpillar, will come on those plants later on in June, but you can prevent it now. And same with roses. With the warmer weather, roses are growing very actively. So again, you should be feeding roses now, but as well with the new growth, protect that new growth with one of the Rose Rescue or Rose Clear treatments. So putting on a little bit of um, preventative pest and disease control would be a good idea. Apple trees are still in full bloom, so you don't spray them. You leave them alone. Pears have finished flowering so they can be sprayed. Excellent. But any the apples should be left for another two weeks, 10 days to two weeks. Once the petals fall off the, the tree and you see the little apples forming, then you can apply something like the Rose Rescue or Bug Clear onto the plants. And again, as a preventative spray more than anything else. So really, I would use today for those sort of jobs that are weather dependent so where you have to maybe spray something or hose something or um, you know apply something through a liquid then today is a good day to do that I featured the lemon scented geranium two weeks ago yes. on the programme and um, this is the plant this is the geranium plant with a fantastic lemon scent I, I, I was actually in somebody's house recently and they have one of these now they obviously have it a while and it has grown to be a fair size oh yeah Oh, they're um, now they're, they're really green fingered, um, so you don't need to be. Well, if anything, it probably th- helps poor egg in fairness. <laughs> but that aside, right. it is really quite a big, uh, oh, bushy, bushy plant. plant. Yeah, and when I came, went in first, I didn't see it, but I could smell it in the kitchen. That's the point. And yeah, I said, I said, what is? That? And then I said, that's like that's like the the, the lemon scented geranium. And I was looking around, so the leaves go a little bit lighter in colour as it gets bigger. I don't know if that's a yeah, well, that's just marginally, but I suppose. It's quite a deep green in the, in the smaller pots. It is, and sometimes if you get a bit of, of light colour in the leaves, it may need to be repotted or it may just need a good liquid feed. So yeah. it should, generally should have okay. a nice, rich green leaf. Mm. And as you say, if you put on a warm windowsill, you don't have to touch the plant for the oil, the citronella to mm. be excreted. Oh, the the sun. Straight away. Yeah. Mm. So the, the reason I mention it is Sorry. that we actually ran out of them. and But they're back okay. in again, probably, just to say to I'm listeners. Say you're probably going to run out of them again now after me saying well, that. Well, they're, they're back in, in stock again because... Um, a number of people have been in looking for them so the lemon scented geranium this is the time for them really the important thing with them they're brilliant for keeping the flies off your windowsills keeping the midges away um, they dislike the smell of the uh, citronella but even as an air freshener it's a fantastic plant uh, and lovely in, in the in the house and it's totally edible you can use it in salads and, and you can eat it raw or whatever so it's a, an easy plant but just to, to remind people that they're back again, available again um, again hanging basket planting time so if you haven't done your hanging baskets again this weekend would be a good time to, to tackle that um, and planting up containers in general this is the time of year still a bit cold for putting the bedding plants the softer bedding plants out yet again I'd leave those till the June bank holiday but in terms of kind of planting up containers with colour this is certainly the time of year um, Teresa was actually asking me about the laurel and um, the laurel lots of laurel and lots of shrubs in general are showing quite a lot of yellowing this year as they're coming into growth because of the very he- heavy wet spring, spring we've had a lot of the nutrition has been leached away so the feeding of, of shrubs in general again a day like today would be an ideal time to go out and trim back your laurel hedge tidy it up hedges in general should get a bit of a trimming and a, a pruning now and when you do that put on a, an application of tree and shrub fertiliser as well just to help to green them up but most plants would benefit even the likes of the forest flames this year they're beautiful at the moment the lovely pink colour but you'll see the older leaves are quite yellow on many plants so a lot of plants are showing that this year kind of yellowing of the foliage so my advice really is to give them a feed 
um, and this weekend would be an ideal time. You mentioned rain coming tomorrow. A little and, bit. And, a little bit, yeah. yeah. But yeah. a small bit of that. And the, the dew is heavy enough at night time even to wash in fertiliser that's applied. Um, so again, I would put that on feed the feeding of plants and the trimming back of hedges in particular those sort of jobs for this weekend and kitchen herbs we're coming into that time of year for the planting up of kitchen herbs so it can be lemon balm or thyme or rosemary or oregano marjoram any of the popular herbs they can be planted up into containers they can be planted out into garden soil things like chives all of those can be planted now so think about kitchen herbs the herbs that you're going to use during the summer months get them into tubs and containers now plant them out into the garden soil things like lavender can be planted now they're all frost hardy apart from basil um, which needs to be kept in store inside and again the general planting of vegetable plants lettuces all the salad crops the onions can be planted now cabbage continue to plant every couple of weeks small little and often is really my tip don't go in and put a hole oh, everything in the one day. yeah and, and and plant everything one weekend exactly you know six or eight or 12 plants put in every two to three weeks that's exactly the way to plant remember that most vegetable plants will grow in containers and you can create a simple window box um, an edible window box with sa- lots of salad crops that you can literally just peel through the summer season. And if you, it, the, but the key thing is really to plant them up now. And again, tomatoes. This is the time for planting them. Strawberries, apple trees, fruit in general can be planted at this time of year. So I would use today, if at all possible, to catch up on those jobs mm. and particularly the prevention of pest and disease problems that that is going to come anyway things like lupins and roses and fruit trees always get aphids and green fly the other plant to watch out for is boxwood you know the little boxwood yeah so we talked i think did we talk, did I mention talk that last week on the, well i think it was a question on it but in general but in, well, yeah so one thing to watch out for the boxwood is coming into leaf now at the moment it's often grown as a hedge mm-hmm. or people use it as a topiary plant you know a nice cone shaped plant say outside the front of the house it always gets a white aphid so if you rub the plant at this time of year you'll find that it's slightly sticky you'll see a white like a dandruff type material coming up off the plant and that's a sure sign you've got white aphid right. but you can take it that boxwood always gets it so if you use something like bug clear it's a simple spray you apply it to the foliage it's very safe to use uh, but that will control it so really plants like that that are susceptible to pest and diseases my advice is prevent right. rather than trying to cure yeah. the problem don't be coming in in three weeks time with and them covered in and things aphids. look things looking really shook and that's that's only no that's only when you'll notice it because most of the the aphids are sap sucking they suck the protein out of so that that sticky liquid is actually the protein so it's and it's kind of well after the damage is done that correct. you actually see it that's exactly the point mm. whereas they're actively growing at the moment so stop it from happening so an application of uh, bug clear or one of those there are ones specifically for fruit and veg there are some specifically for flowers and, and roses and so on make sure in your local garden since you get the proper treatment but my advice is really go out there and treat your plants now and prevent the problem rather than trying to cure it later on so they're the key things dear to that I would have um, you know crack on with at the moment and use today particularly with the, the warm weather, weather feeding of plants the trimming of plants um, and the treatment of pests and diseases okay perfect and the and planting of and, the, and the planting, planting of course most important yeah a bit of the planting and yeah. another bit of a few, <laughs> yeah, exactly. a few weeks time yeah. okay great we are going to take a couple of questions uh, straight off the bat okay. if we may yeah. um, now I know a couple of people have sent in pictures via whatsapp so we're going to hang on to the ones on the pictures front but just let's give uh, some of the texts uh, some attention uh, earlier this morning uh, Tommy got some nematodes and they're in sachet for
form. Okay. Okay. Right. So the instructions don't say how much water to use per sachet. Would you be able to tell him how okay. to use them? Yeah, no problem. So first of all, what are nematodes? Nematodes, mm. we've mentioned them a couple of times on the programme. So the nematodes are the, um, they're, they're li- a live organism that feeds on, uh, they're parasitic. So they feed on things like vine weevil, wireworm, carrot root fly, cabbage root fly, all the little maggots that attack our plants in the garden. You simply put them through a watering can. So what Tommy has got is is probably the Neerdorf um, sachets. It's like a tea bag. And you put one tea bag, or one of the, the nematode tea bags, into uh, 1.5 litres mm. of water. Mm. Okay? You shake it up. The tea bag, like a traditional tea bag, will still have some residue in it. That's perfectly fine. So you shake up the mix for about four or five minutes and you create a kind of a white milky uh, substance. You take then uh, 0.5 of a litre from that. Half a litre. Half a litre, yeah. Half a litre. <laughs> half a litre. And you put it and you mix that to four and a half litres of water. Okay. Okay. So, so you have a total of five litres. You have a total of five litres. And then you apply that to where whatever the plants are. If it's vine weevil and it's in pots, you literally just water the pots. If it's a uh, uh, wireworm in the, in the veg garden, you literally just put it onto the veg garden, spray it on. And do they need to be reapplied? Generally, generally no, okay. because the great thing about the nematodes, now, first of all, the pests have to be there, right? Because these guys literally hunt out the pests, kill the pest, and they actually... And they feed off them, do they? they, they, they well, they, they actually lay their eggs in the pest and they repopulate. Okay. So the nematodes continue to actually reproduce in the soil if the pest is present. Now, things like carrots, there's no point spray putting the nematodes on them just yet because generally the carrot root fly won't start to lay its eggs until about the end of May, early June. So leave it for another week or two. And let the carrots grow, let them come up, let them be above the soil. Generally, when you start thinning your carrots, that's the time to put on the nematodes. So you kind of nearly need to know your life cycle of your particular bug. You do. Bugs like vine weevil are there since last August. So they're definitely, if they're in the pots, they're definitely there. Your plants will look sick. And if you treat them, it, the nematodes will kill them straight away. If it's wireworm, that's been in the soil since last year. If it's leather jackets, that's been in the soil since last year. So those pests will be present in the soil. Cabbage root fly, if you've got your cabbages in, say, over a month, then it'd be a good idea to put the nematodes on. So you simply just mix them in water. So just to recap, one sachet to 1.5 litres, so one and a half litres of water, you, you, you uh, mix that up. Mm-hmm. And then take half a litre of that mix and add it to four and a half litres of water. So as you say, it gives you five litres and then you apply that onto the soil. Now, a little tip, if your containers are dry, make sure you wash them with ordinary water first. So have the compost moist before you put on the nematodes because they have to be able to burrow down into the soil. Okay, so and, if the soil is dry, they won't have any... Well, it'll be more difficult be, for them right. to be. So try and have the, particularly in pots and containers, the garden soil is moist enough at the moment. Um, and the neem toads, they're actually a very effective way. I, I think I mentioned before that a lot of the strawberry growers, a lot of the nursery growers have now switched over to the neem toads because they're finding them either organic, yeah. they're safe for pets, they're safe for children, they're safe for all human contact. They're, you can use them on fruit, vegetables, flowers, whatever you want, hanging baskets, wherever you've got soil-borne pests. They're very, very effective. And are they organisms that have been used in this way for a long time or are these a fairly recent, I suppose, <coughs> discovery that they work in this capacity? The, the nematodes are naturally occurring. We Humans didn't create them. They've yeah. been here okay. in our ecosystem. Probably a lot longer than we are. Absolutely. Right. Part of the whole 
uh, life cycle, what they're doing now is farming them. Uh-huh. So they're actually breeding them and making... So when you buy the little sachet, there could be a million of these nematodes. Now, and they're, they're not squirmish or they're not, they're not going to jump into they're your hands. They're, they're like little grains of sugar. So they're kind of, yeah, they're <clears throat> so so just very small organisms. Absolutely, and they're, they're actually in a, in a state, um, kind of in a, in a suspended state. They're actually not, they're, they're live, but they're not working as it were. Okay. So they're actually they're held, sleeping. They're sleeping. They're hibernating. Yes, and as soon as they, they get, you mix them with the water, it activates them, they become alive, and boom, off they go and start to work. So they're an, a fantastic, very clean product to use. Um, like don't don't let the thought of the yeah. of oh, the no, need no, to no, put no, people yeah. off. Yeah. They're they're super effective. And to be honest, I think what we'll find is that most pesticides will go off the market, and we'll be going to a lot more of these organic. Well, that's a great way to yeah. go. Yeah. So <clears throat> to answer the question now, if you pop into any of the garden centres, my garden centres, the guys will have a fact sheet available. Uh, to, for yeah, to explain exactly, I actually wrote that myself this week, but because it is confusing on the container, so I sat down and actually I wrote up a, a full article on the the nematodes and how to mix them and how to apply them. So if you pop into any of the any of the um, the centres in Castlebar, Galway, or Sligo, the guys will have a leaflet for you. But they're very effective, and um, you know things like wireworm. We, you know we've been using nasty pesticides yeah. to kind of control them. Here's an organic ma- yeah, material, I- <clears throat> and it keeps on working <clears throat> until the Wireworm die away. So the, these guys keep keep breeding and keep self-perpetuating. Self-perpetuating. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's the nematodes. Hopefully that answers Tommy your question. <clears throat> the best of luck with them. Now, Borik, um, would you be able to tell us what flowers to plant that will be in bloom in about four weeks' time? I, sus- I suspect an event on the garden. <clears throat> so four weeks. Well, mm. it's, a, it's a good time. So we're looking at possibly the middle of June, aren't we? Um, yes, we are. So things that will be in flower will be things like begonias will be, and again, you can plant those in two weeks' time. Petunias will be giving really good colour. They, f- they tend to flower early. One of my favourite plants, Nemesia, which again is a lovely plant, lovely pastel colours, um, really nice. French marigolds will be in bloom in the middle of, in, in the middle of June. Geraniums will be giving lots of colour. Generally what I advise for people, if you've got a special occasion coming up, you know, say it's on the 10th of June, Go into your local garden centre a week before, 10 days before, because then you're sure that the plants are, what you're getting, which should be showing a nice bit of colour. Mm-hmm. You plant them into the soil, they're going, that colour is going to come forward a little bit more and you guarantee the colour. Agaranthemums will be lovely. They're in flower at the moment, but they flower the whole summer long and they're safe to plant out at this time of year. So you can either get a collection of plants now, plant them, look after them, feed them, water them, and, 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 you know, in four weeks' time, they'll be looking lovely or go into your local garden centre a fortnight before or 10 days before the event and pick some stuff that and pretend that, you, that they were there all along. <laughs> it's probably a safer way to do it because, you know, the, the seasons have been funny this year. But it's been very late. We're yeah. certainly still three weeks behind uh, in terms of plants flowering. So, so a good way to go if you yeah, want to. Yeah, if, 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 if you've got something really special coming up, then that would be my advice. Maybe leave it two weeks before the event. Come pop in. It's safe to plant at that time of year. There'll be no frost from the first weekend of June on. And, um, you know, you can get something with a little bit more colour flowering. 
Okay, great. Leave the growing to us for another two weeks, maybe. <laughs> okay, good. Good advice. A couple of questions and with pictures in on WhatsApp. Incidentally, so it's 087 9041 if you're texting or WhatsApping us and 0818 if you're calling us. So we've had a look at this picture. Um, can you help me? Uh, says Dipna. It's blooming. Uh, it's a tree blooming from the bottom, but the top it seems to be dead. Any ideas? They live beside the sea. That might be a key factor, is it? Well, the tree is actually a great choice for seaside okay. areas. It's a, it's a plant called Sorbus aureolutescens or the white beam and probably one of the best trees to grow in seaside areas. It's got those lovely silver foliage. It's in the mountain ash flam- family. But um, looking at the picture there, so what's happening is the top section of the tree has died mm-hmm. and this, the, the plant is actually reshooting from the base. So my advice here is to cut the tree back right back to where, just above where the new growth has started. The new growth is probably about two and a half, three feet high now. Um, And that will, by removing the top section, that will kick into growth and grow back as a, probably more as a shrub rather than a tree. You lose that kind of tree shape, that nice slender stem and, and round head. Uh, but, but there's lots of activity right from the base of the tree. So the tree has been f- either physically damaged or it has um, got some disease which sorbus aureolutescens can get. Um, it's, it's in the apple family and can often suffer things like apple scab and, and, and other diseases. So my advice really here is just to cut it back. The plant is still alive. Cut it back to where the new growth is starting. Give it a feed and it'll be back up again as a 8, 9, 10 foot even 15 foot tree in time. In time. Now, we've moved into an old farm cottage a few years ago. All the lawns, gardens are sorted thanks to the programme. We have now reached what we call the forest. 20 to 30 foot trees. They're ash, white, blackthorn, hazel and holly. Lovely. When can we trim all these trees, especially the holly as it's got long branches? Well, you can do some pruning on the trees now, even at this time of year. If you want to kind of uh, prune up the side shoots and, and tidy up the trees, then there's no problem. You can you can do them at this time of year or if you want, you can leave it all over until uh, autumn, early winter when they're out of leaf again. So, you know, most of those have come into leaf. Ash is one of the last trees to come into leaf. So if you, the listener's got time at this time of year, you can certainly go in. You won't do any damage to the trees by doing a, some pruning now and tidying up of the general trees um, but again if you want to leave it until autumn early winter when the plants are out of leaf it's easier you can see what you're doing a little bit easier and it's kind of easier to get through the forest as it were also the, the holly will be in bury at that time of year and again it's an easier time to prune back the branches as such but if you want to do a kind of a little tidy up job now there's absolutely no problem you won't do any damage to the trees or again most pruning is generally done in the winter months simply because the trees are dormant and simply because you can see, see what you're doing. Better. There's no leaves there to, to actually prune back. But you can always do a little bit of pruning at this time of year as well. Now, is the earthworm safe with that organic treatment? I think they mean the nematodes. Absolutely, no problem. They don't they don't actually tackle the uh, earthworms at all. They leave them alone. So, uh, yeah, a well, good question, actually. Yeah, no, because we want to encourage the earthworms. Now, a good few hedging questions. Uh, just wondering if Porin could answer how far away from the neighbour's boundary fence and it's surrounded on both sides do I said Grisolinia hedge. Okay well the beauty about Grisolinia is that you can keep it to whatever width you want so you can literally keep it from two feet wide or you can let it spread out up to four feet wide so it's one of those hedges that responds very well to trimming back. Generally speaking I would advise when you're planting to keep it at least a metre from the neighbour's boundary um, you know, on that side of the fence so keep it in I generally would, would mark about a metre and a half from out from the ditch or from the boundary area 
normally the treatment when you're putting down a new hedge is to kill off any grass or weeds that might be there and you can do that safely with something like Weed Free 360. So come out a metre and a half, put down a straight line, spray that area within or you can cut it very tightly with your lawnmower first and then spray the area and then plant your grislinia a week later into the right down the centre, keeping them in at least two to three feet from the neighbour's boundary hedge. The other thing to do for most hedges is to keep them wedge-shaped. So have them slightly wider at the base than on top. So when you're cutting your hedge, don't cut it straight. Make sure that you keep it slightly wedge-shaped. So wider at the base than on top. And as I say, you can manage the actual overall width from anything from two feet up to three or four or five feet, whatever width you want to let it grow out to. Now, a couple of questions, actually. I see somebody just sent in a photograph of a laurel um, and also somebody else with a question. Um, so can you still trim laurel hedges? They're very black and discoloured in places. And yeah. I see the photograph that we have is where they're browning at the edges. Of yeah, the and, and, and look, at over the winter, anything that's evergreen, like laurel or, or any evergreen plant, will always pick up markings, wind damage, um, hailstones will damage them. And this year in particular, we're seeing a lot of the leaching, which, which is the yellowing of laurels as well. So, like I said at the start of the programme, go out and tidy back. Growth is going to surge forward now in the next couple of weeks. It's been very slow up to now. So go out and tidy up your laurel hedge. Give it a trim back, even everything back. And you can be quite, you know, ruthless with it and give it a good tight trimming back. Remember to keep that wedge shape on the laurel if you can. And like I said at the start of the programme, now is the time to feed them because the growth is, is going to accelerate now over the next six weeks and then it's going to stop again. So use this period to green up the, the laurels, give them a nice green colour. So trim them, feed them and they'll be perfectly fine. Now, Porik, I set a red robin last year. It was coming on slowly but sheep got in the garden. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. They've and, done the pruning for and you. they've clipped it. Do you right. think it'll grow again? It should, yeah. They've I mean, also eaten my lupins. Wow. Well, look, <laughs> make sure that this doesn't happen on a regular basis or, or the plants are certainly going to suffer. But Fotinia red robin and lupins have a great ability of rejuvenating themselves. And I would always recommend anyway with red robin that you trim it as a young plant several times a year to get it to thicken out and really produce lots of side branches because on those side branches you get the lovely colour. So look, at it, trim it, tidy it up give it a little bit of a feed, it'll kick back into growth again, try and keep the sheep away from it um, and the lupin should reappear again. I mean, it is a very robust plant and it, it comes from ground level so I don't think you have any worries there. Give them a good feed of a tree and shrub fertiliser now and they should be perfectly fine in two or three weeks' time. Now, while I want a flowering plant for the centre of a large pot, would you have any suggestions? Well, if you want something in flower at the moment, the, 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 there's a lovely plant called the, as I mentioned earlier, the agaranthemum, which is in the chrysanthemum family. They're flowering at the moment, so they've just started. Um, They have daisy-like flowers in all sorts of colours. So you get them in reds, pinks, whites, yellows, absolutely brilliant plants. So it's flowering now at the moment. They literally produce hundreds of flowers on the plant. And you can get them in what we call a standard, which means they have a clean stem for maybe two feet. So that you've got the bit of height. You get a nice bit of height, particularly for the centre of a pot, which allows you to plant other plants around the base of the stem. So you could put in your red begonias or your geraniums or whatever or trailing petunias around the base of the stem of the plant and then the agaranthum will flower at the top of the stem you know, maybe two and a half, three feet out of the pot and give you that kind of ball of colour. Yeah. So they're a really great plant if you want colour at the moment. Um, they're stunning really and, and uh, I'd highly recommend them and they flower right through till late October, early November um, and they are perennial if you, you need to bring them in for the winter in a tunnel or greenhouse but you can have them for several years as well. So look for that at the standard agaranthemum you get in your local garden centre um, 
daisy-like flowers. It's often called the Paris daisy as well, but a really nice plant, great colour. I used actually some of those last weekend when, and were, they, when we were doing up the containers, yeah. And uh, so it's a really nice, really nice plant. Now, I bought three regal pelargoniums uh, on Thursday. I have them in larger pots now. How do I care for them so they will still look beautiful? Okay, now one of the things to be careful of here is that, um, and, and this was my reference to the lemon-scented geranium, that sometimes if you give them too much love and care, they actually, uh, you can overwash them, you can overfeed them, you can be too good to them. Okay. And they, so what happens then? They geraniums, geraniums. Well, they well they actually rot. Like the rest of us. Yeah, no, they rot. They they can often rot off, or you can get lots of leaf at the expense of flowers. So the thing with geraniums is to be a little bit kind of uh, reserved with watering. And the reason I'm mentioning it is that the listener is obviously repotted into a bigger pot. So now the plant has got more compost and space to grow. Therefore, the compost is going to stay wetter longer. So just be careful on the watering now with the pelargonium. So great that they're repotted. They need a bright sunny location, a windowsill, ideally indoors at this time of year. Because they've been repotted, I wouldn't wash them more than every fortnight. So let them dry slightly between watering and then rewater. And then liquid feed them with something like the Osmo uh, liquid feed or a high potash liquid feed like a tomato feed during the summer. So they are easy to grow, but they actually thrive on a little bit of neglect. So often if you forget to wash them, it's no bad thing. Okay. It's no bad thing. Would you recommend a Hebe hedge in the country as a shelter? Would it survive the frost? Well, it depends, it depends on the depends. level of frost that we get. Because and how much, yeah, hebes, you hebes are um Hebes can be frost-prone and certainly in 2009, 2010, they, they succumbed to the very cold conditions. So they're, they're a great seaside plant and um, the, the, the common Hebe would make a hedge, I suppose, up to three feet, maybe four feet in height. Very difficult to get it taller than that. But it is a great seaside plant. It tolerates the soil conditions really well. It tolerates the wind really well. It's an evergreen plant and it flowers during the summer. So for all of those reasons, it's it's a super plant. But if we get a, a very, very cold year, then it can succumb mm-hmm. to uh, to frost. So if the listener wants, maybe, maybe the silver edge hedge that I mentioned last week might be better, um, you know, or the laurel etna. There are other choices to go for, but um, yeah, hebes yeah. can be. If we, if we get a mild winters like we normally get, absolutely no problem. Uh, but if we get very if cold we got frost, 2010. yeah, that's it. It's, you, <laughs> or you, even the one we had this year, you know. Yeah, well, this this year wouldn't be cold, cold enough to right. to. It wasn't a prolonged. No, you know, no, the, I, the cold spells that we did. No, there was there was damage on mm. hebes this year. Not not to the extent that it killed them, but there's certainly a lot of listeners have sent in pictures where they're slightly damaged or they're discoloured or they're a little bit of browning. And that's really what you're seeing on the laurels mm. as well. Is you know, due to that kind of cold snap that we get, hail, frost. Evergreen plants pick up that sort of damage. So with hebes, I'd be kind of reluctant to recommend it as a hedge. hedge. I would go for either boxwood, go for the silver edge, or go for hebe or a laurel etna would be a quite a good hedge mm-hmm. as well. Pop into your local garden centre, look at some of the other choices maybe first. And particularly in seaside areas, in exposed areas, I don't think you can beat the Iliagnus, yeah. the silver edge. Yeah. It's really, it's frost hardy, it's wind hardy, it's salt hardy, it's robust. And as it was for any of us who came through 2010 and had hedges down and lost them as a result of all of that, Still uh, a memory. I would say, yeah, once bitten, I'll tell yeah. you. <laughs> it can be, and that's, you know. Yeah, we won't be going, and, we won't be going see, there again. Lovely and all as they looked. And that's even with the Grisolinia and Escalonia. Yeah. You know, I even, had an Escalonia, so that was, that was the one. Yeah, but you was, had it probably, probably for 20 years or 30 I'd, years. No, no, I did not. Well, <laughs> How old do you think I am? <laughs> 
<laughs> Lots of people had. So, you know, don't... No, I had mine for about five. Right. Well, don't... don't I, what I hate to think is that people are actually put off those plants because Grisselinia, to me, is still probably one of the best hedges that you can actually plant. And I'd hate to think that the frost in nine and ten actually has, you know, spoiled yeah. people's memories of that plant because it is such a no, super plant. Yeah, it is. And, I, I, and are we going to see it again in our own lifetime? Well, Maybe we will, but... Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. That's the, that's but look, there are hardier options anyway that make, to make that point that there are plenty of, of um, hedging plants that came through that frosty period. If you want something, I think we had a question last week about somebody asked about a hedge that would be a little bit different. And the Berber Starwinii that I mentioned, that's a superb hedge, not used half enough. Evergreen, flowers, berries in the autumn super plant. Okay, but we were talking about bloom poric um, of course it is coming up over the June bank holiday weekend, um, so while we'll probably cover it in a bit more detail in terms of the event itself, next week we have some tickets to give away this we morning. We sure do, right. we do. And so, the tickets are great because they're actually uh, open-ended tickets, so people can use them from the Thursday, which is the 31st of May, right through to the Monday, which is the 4th of June. So if people are available Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or the Monday, then the tickets can be used. So there are two two sets of pairs, and all the listeners have to do is text in to the Midwest Radio number. 087-900-4141. Be the fifth texter or the tenth Tenth texter, texter. and they will win the tickets. So... It is text. It's 087-900-4141. It's the 5th and the 10th we're taking. And please include your name and address on that. And hopefully we'll have uh, winners for you before the end of the programme. No, I'm, I'm actually in Bloom uh, on Monday. I'm, gonna, I'm popping up to... Uh, uh, record. This coming Monday. This coming Monday. I'm going up to see the gardens as they're being constructed. Uh, so I'll bring you back a full report. Um, so I'm, I'll be in the thick of, of all the gardens. And uh, the work started about two weeks ago. So the guys are still going around with their yellow hats. and their, So with uh, the large, medium and small gardens. There are, mm. yeah. Uh, and I know there's sculpture and there's the food and there's the entertainment. And there's such a huge uh, array of different kinds of things happening. It is. It's a, it's a real family day out. That's that's really the message I would be saying to people. And, you know, really from the west of Ireland I would go up on the train you'll walk up to Bloom I mean it's only a 10-15 minute walk from Houston Station have a great day out have a family day out and come back on the train in the evening time and uh, there's something for all the family I mean there's so many good cooking demonstrations great food you can meet the actual producers you can plenty of tasting the music you can just go for the music live bands play there I mean it's great I'll be up there actually for um, we're up on on media day doing a bit of of media for for Midwest Radio but also we'll be there over the weekend giving talks I'll be there Saturday, Sunday and Monday uh, six talks to give Um, so there's lots of that and once you're in there I mean it's it's just such a great day out. Okay, so 5th and 10th, text her please, 087-900-4141 on that. Right, back to a couple of questions, Pork. Uh, the herbal weeds like foxglove, how do uh, how do we kill it? I've tried Roundup and Gallop, which you tell me are the same thing, but yeah. no success. Well, Roundup and Gallop have the same active ingredient in them, um, so... So, oh, so yeah. the same chemicals. Yeah. And, and you'll often find with Roundup, it's not effective on, on all weeds. So things like mare's tail is not effective with by it. Um, so use um, something like the uh, Brushwood Killer. SBK is more effective. So get yourself a small box of Brushwood Killer, mix it in water, a little bit of washing up liquid into the mix and apply it to the foliage and that'll, that'll control them. And this sort of weather is ideal if you need to put any treatments on weeds. A day like today, calm, dry weather when they're actively growing. You get a very good. It takes normally about a week, week to ten days. 
Um, ask Porik, can I put tomato food on strawberries and how often should I feed them? Well, remember with strawberries, my advice always is don't feed them until the fruit starts to form. So they're still in flower at the moment. The bees are doing their, their thing. So I would leave them another fortnight. And once you see the small green fruits uh, they'll be about the size of a marble beginning to form, then start feeding strawberries. You need a high potash feed, so a tomato feed is absolutely perfect. And um, feed them about every three weeks is enough. So you don't overfeed because you tend to get too much leaf at the expense of fruit. And the key thing with strawberries is as the fruit is forming, you to keep them well, well watered. Okay, because when you think about it, there's a lot of water. There in the sure strawberry. is. There sure is. Now uh, we've got a picture in on WhatsApp uh, identification time on the program. Um, so you've taken a look at this beautiful-looking tree, wondering yeah. what kind of a tree it is. Yeah, it? so it, it's uh, one of the lime trees, a uh, lovely tree. Stunning. For be- such a great range of greens in the picture. And, well and done. yellows and, and so on. So a great, time, a great time of year to plant trees in general. I mean, the soil conditions are really good at the moment. They're quite moist. So it's super uh, time to get trees into the garden. And what I like about planting at this time of year is that you can actually see the tree that you're purchasing. It's in leaf or it's in flower. So, you know, you can actually go through the different ranges of trees and pick trees that are complementary. Um, but a super time for planting trees in the garden. And they're all potted at this time of year, so there's no problem getting them in. And the soil conditions are ideal. What do you do with the lemon-scented plant when it dies off? Does it die off? It shouldn't die off. No, it's a, it's a, it's an evergreen plant. Uh, so, it, like any geranium, you could have it for a number of years. Could you? Oh, you should have it for yeah, and it propagates really easy from cuttings. So the next time you're around with your, uh, in, in, in with your neighbour or friend, um, take a cutting because they they root just like geraniums. They root very very easily. Uh, so the key thing is to is to take cuttings on a regular basis. I mean, the plant won't live forever. They tend to live maybe five, six, seven years. Uh, and then they get a bit old and a bit woody and it's a good idea to replace them. So taking young cuttings every couple of years, that's the way to propagate them. And they propagate so easy. Um, but they, they shouldn't die off on you. They, will, they do flower. So this might be what the listener is talking about. They'd come into flower normally in June, flower through till September. Once the flowers go off, you just tidy them up and um, keep them quite dry then during the winter months. They kind of go dormant for the winter and then kickstart them again in the spring. Okay, great. Um, rhubarb going to seed, why might that be? Well, rhubarb, any plant that goes to seed, generally the function of all plants, of course, is to go to seed and reproduce. But rhubarb does this when it comes under stress. So if the plant is in the same situation for a long period, so if it's got old and it's got quite thick and, and the, um, the actual stems are beginning to thinnen, thin, then it'll often trigger itself into seed. All you do is cut off that flower stalk and feed the plant and bring it on. Next autumn, it might be a good idea to lift the plant and divide it and plant it somewhere else and give it more space. But give it a feed, give it a good watering, cut off any of the flowering shoots and it should be perfectly fine. Okay, great. Uh, Sorry now, Mare's Tail on tarmac. Uh, That's only six months sprayed. Yeah, well, well, you have the, to keep it sprayed, don't you? You do. The thing with mare's tail is that it's a it's a perennial weed. It comes back year after year. It, it disappears in the winter, of course. It's herbaceous, so it hides itself in the winter and reappears this time of year. And uh, it's one of those persistent weeds, a bit like Japanese knotweed. you just got to stay on top of it. Um, if it's in a tarmac, Adam, my advice is to... Is Treated. Now it's only beginning to grow, so maybe leave it another fortnight to let it grow a little bit higher. And then again, treat it with the uh, brushwood killer, the SBK brushwood killer, or Neerdorf, do a specific 
Weed Killer for Mayor's Tale. It's in a green bottle, sold by Neerdorf. It'll be available in your local garden centre. And again, that can be applied. But, but I'd let, let the Mare's Tale show itself a little bit more yet. So it's just beginning. Um, give it another week or fortnight, then treat it on dry day. And you will have to persevere with it. That'll kill it back. It may start to reappear next spring. Keep on top of it and, and you'll eventually eradicate it. Uh, one or two very quickly now before we wrap up and we've got winners for those bloom tickets as well. Will nematodes kill the slugs or is that wishful thinking? No, there, 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 thinking. there actually is a nematode for specifically for slugs. Is there? But yeah, there is actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have it though, <laughs> unfortunately. Where, where do you want to get a hold of that? Well, you, you'd probably get it online. It's it's available in the UK. Um, so if you check online, so there is actually a one for nematodes or uh, for, for slugs, slugs and snails. Yeah, there is a nematode for them. Oh, <coughs> a specific we'll nematode. We'll do a bit of research for you, listener. <coughs> yeah, so so check that out, um, and and you may be able to get it in from the UK. Uh, so it's specifically for for um, Nema slug. I think is is actually Nema slug. Nema slug. Look for that one. Um, so specifically for slugs and snails. Again, you just put it onto your plants, and um, it kills the slugs exactly this way. The the one for the the vine weevil and wireworm. It's a different nematode, obviously. Right. Maybe not wishful thinking after all. Yeah. Finally, what feed should I use on hydrangeas that was cut back but it's growing very well now? Thanks right. very much. Keep up the good work. Okay, well, all shrubs should receive a, f- a good feed of tree and shrub fertiliser. So the one I use is Osmo Pro 6. It's very good. It greens without forcing growth and you can put it on now, repeat it again in June and it'll do all plants, laurels or hydrangeas. Remember, I'm in the Sligo Centre yep. at 2 o'clock doing the hanging basket demo um, and people let so people bring, bring in, your containers bring your containers in I'll pick a few yeah, might and we'll, be lucky. we'll have a bit of fun and a bit of crack and uh, hopefully people will learn something as okay. well okay and the people who've been lucky on the bloom front this morning are Christina Concanon in Ballyhonus and Killian Murphy in Newport well done to both of you and we'll be in touch uh, sending those out enjoy it's going to be a great a great weekend on the bank holiday weekend Pork, thanks very much we'll thanks, talk to you Judah. again next Saturday do stand by Michael Neary is coming your way directly after the news at 10. Until next Saturday from me, a very good morning to you.